Well, good morning, New City Church. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we're grateful to be together in this way to rejoice and be glad in it. RJ and I are grateful to be able to share a few announcements with you this morning as we begin our worship time together. And I want to start by just saying we want to continue to connect with you in meaningful ways, even when we're scattered across the city. So I want to encourage you, if you're looking to find a group, if you're looking to find more information about New City Church, about how you can go further in your relationship with Jesus, if you just need prayer, or if you have a need that we can connect with you about, we would love to do so. And the easiest way to do that during this season is to go on to our app, go on to our website, send us an email, and you can do that by looking for the connect tab on the app or on the website, or by simply sending us an email, pastor at newcity.us, pastor at newcity.us. And myself and our team would love to reach out to you, to connect with you, help you to go further here at New City. Well, good morning, New City, and let me add my welcome to Chris's. It's great to be with you online. Uh, I know it's different, but it's really exciting to see everybody posting last week on Facebook Live, commenting on the YouTube channel. It's great to see that interaction going on. It really is a wonderful experience. We know it's different, but it's really great to see the pictures of families uh, worshiping together. So keep posting those for us. We love seeing those. Uh, it's just a great experience for us to be able to see New City living out its mission in homes across the city. We're really excited about this morning. We're launching our next-gen Sunday resources. If you head to newcity.us slash nextgennow, you'll see some great content for Sunday morning for your kids. There's videos, there's activities, so please check that out. We think it'll be a, a great uh, part of Sunday worship for you and your family. Yeah, absolutely. And we did want to let you know that our leadership team has been meeting this week and we've been in touch with uh, county officials and we have made the decision to continue in the mode that we're in right now throughout the month of April. It probably doesn't come as a surprise to you, but we did want to let you officially know that our campuses will be closed throughout the month of April, but New City Church is not closed. Our ministries will continue and we're grateful for the ways just like this to continue to connect and do ministry together. That's right. As Chris said, New City is not closed. We know our facilities are closed, but New City is not closed. We want you to continue to check out our serve resource page at newcity.us slash serve now. We continue to update that based on needs of the city, ways we can plug in even in the season of staying at home. There are some ways that we're looking at to get everybody engaged in what's going on in our city at, at this point. Also, in just a moment, we're going to pray for our offering like we normally do at all of our services. Uh, just another reminder that if you give on a Sunday morning, we'd love for you to jump online and, and give now as a one-time gift or set up recurring giving. If you have any questions about how to do that, please email us at finance at newcity.us, and we'd love to help you and serve you that way. But let me just say thank you. The generosity of New City continues to encourage us, amaze us, so thank you for everything you're doing doing during this season and this time. And now, let's pray for our morning offering. Father God, um, what a time, a time we will all remember for years and years to come. My hope and prayer is one of the main ways we remember this time is the way you moved. The way you moved through our lives, our hearts, our families, our workplaces, and our city that through these challenging times, your name is glorified and your son is lifted up. You're a generous God and we are grateful and thankful for your grace and mercy. 
that you pour upon us. May we be good stewards of the resources you entrust to us. We pray for our New City family and the friends of our New City family that we continue to impact every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, good morning, New City Church. We are so glad that you are joining us this morning, whether you're joining us on uh, your cell phone or your tablet or your laptop, or if you're joining us from your couch. Uh, Wherever you are, the beauty is that if you have reception, you could be in your attic or in your crawl space, and we can still meet together. I hope you're not in those places, but if you are and you have reception, you can meet with us this morning as the body of Christ. And um, that's a great picture of the Holy Spirit, that he doesn't, he's not confined by a physical building. Um, He doesn't need us to come together physically to be present with us. Um, So that's, that's the hope that we have this morning, that in all circumstances, the Lord is present with us. So if you would sing this out with us, that one thing remains, no matter what circumstances we face, one thing remains, and it's the constant presence of the Lord.
Father, we thank you that you are faithful, you are good in all circumstances, that no matter what changes around us, you are present and you are who you say that you are in our lives. And for this, we praise you this morning. In Christ's name. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're you're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead to what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun still shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light, Jesus said. He said this and then he spit into the dust, making a clay paste with his saliva. He rubbed the paste on the blind man's eyes and said, go and wash at the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. The man went and washed and saw. Soon the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging were saying, why isn't this the man we knew who sat here and begged? Others said, it's him all right. But others objected, it's not the same man at all. It just looks like him. He said, it's me, the very one. And they said, well, then how did your eyes get opened? A man named Jesus made a paste and he rubbed it in my eyes and said, go to Siloam and wash. And I did what he said. And when I washed, I saw. So where is he, they asked. I don't know, the man said. So they marched him to the Pharisees. This day when Jesus made the paste and healed the blindness was the Sabbath. The Pharisees grilled the man again on how he had come to receive his sight. He said, He put clay paste on my eyes and and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, obviously this man can't be from God. He doesn't even keep the Sabbath. Others countered, how can a bad man do miraculous God revealing things like this? There was a split in their ranks. They came back at the blind man and they said, you're the expert. He opened your eyes. What do you say about him? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews didn't believe it. They didn't believe the man was blind to begin with. So they called the parents of the man who was now bright-eyed with sight. They asked him, is this your son? The one who you say was born blind? So how is it that he now sees? His parents said, we know he's our son. And we know he was born blind, but we don't know how he came to see. Having a clue about who opened his eyes. Why don't you ask him for yourself? He's a grown man. He can speak for himself. 
His parents were talking like this because they were intimidated by the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who took a stand that this was the Messiah would be kicked out of the meeting place. That's why his parents said, ask him, he's a grown man. They called the man back a second time, the man who had been blind and told him, give credit to God. We know this man, Jesus, is an imposter. The man replied, I know nothing about the, the man one way or the other, but I know one thing for sure. I was blind and now I see. They said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? The man replied, I've told you over and over and you haven't listened. Why do you wanna hear it again? Are you so eager to become his disciples yourselves? With that, they all jumped at him. Over and over they said to him, might, you might be a disciple of that man, Jesus, but we're disciples of Moses. We know for sure that God spoke to Moses, but we have no idea where this man even comes from. The blind man replied, this is amazing. You claim to know nothing about Jesus, but the fact is he opened my eyes. It is well known that God isn't at the beck and call of sinners, but listens carefully to anyone who listens or who lives in reverence and does his will. That someone opened the eyes of a man born blind has never been heard of ever. If this man didn't come from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. They said, you're nothing but dirt. How dare you take that tone with us? And then they threw him out into the street. Jesus heard that they had thrown the blind man out and he went and found him and he asked him, do you believe in the son of man? And the man replied, point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe in him. Jesus said, you're looking at him now. Don't you recognize my voice? Master, I believe, the man said, and worshiped. Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see. And those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Some of the Pharisees overheard him and said, does this mean that you're calling us blind? Jesus said, if you really were blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and every failure. This is the fifth sign that Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. It's known as the healing of the blind man. And we've been in a series walking through the seven major signs that John recorded in his gospel. And our key passage for the entire series is John chapter 20, verse 31, where John says, Jesus did many other signs, but these are written so that you might believe that he is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. These are more than just events that happened in history. These are signs on the road, the path of humanity for all of us as people to see Jesus for who he really is, the Christ, the son of God, who's come into the world for each and every one of us. You see, 
God wants us to believe desperately in something other than ourselves, other people, or our circumstances. And we've learned, haven't we, beloved? We've learned in these past two weeks, maybe now more than ever, how fragile this world and our lives really are. How quickly things can change. The truth is, and the Bible reminds us of this, that the world, the world that we live in, this present world, is not operating as God intended it to. Sin entered into the world by choice in Genesis 3. And we've inherited sin and we also sin ourselves. And this world is uh, being destroyed by our choices, but also the choices that were made generations ago. This thing called sin infecting all of us. The Bible says, to put it bluntly, this world is passing away. And God is making a new heaven and a new earth for his people. Someone once asked Billy Graham later on in his life, what surprised him most about this world and about his life personally? He replied simply, it's brevity. How quickly life goes by and how quickly things change. This world, I think you would agree with me, is full of ups and downs. And many of us are experiencing those and the twists and turns that come through this life. Many of us have said things and thought things this week that we never thought we would. I never thought my business would be experiencing this. I never thought my family would have to go through life like this. I never thought, and you fill in the blank. So many questions of, of what we can put our hope and our trust in in this world that's constantly changing and full of brokenness. Where can we find peace? Where can we find comfort? Where can we find hope? And God answers all of our where and what and how and when questions with a who, with the person of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And by our simple childlike belief and trust in him, we can be filled with life, even in a world and a life that is passing away. The truth is that Jesus came to show us, to open up our eyes, our blind eyes, to see him for who he really is, to be light in our own spiritual and present darkness. And Jesus didn't come to start a religion, did he? He didn't come to start a religion. Jesus came to initiate a relationship with each of us, to, to make right a relationship that was broken by our sin, to redeem us, to save us. The Bible reminds us in John chapter 3, earlier in the, the gospel that we're studying, John 3, 17, that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that includes you and that includes me. A man who has lost his sight, who hasn't been able to see since birth, actually shows us who Jesus really is. Helps us to see Jesus as the true light coming into the world. John writes in John chapter 1 about Jesus, that he is life, that in him is life. And that life is the light of all mankind. Jesus came into the world to reveal, to show us truly who he is. To reveal who we really are without him and our brokenness. To reveal what this world really is, which is a world that is passing away. And to simply put our trust and our belief and our hope in him and not in ourselves, other people, 
or this world. This fifth sign has some context to it. And, and really quickly, before we jump into the rest of the sign, let me just give a little bit of context for what's happening here in John chapter 9. The, the story of Jesus healing the blind man, this fifth sign. It, it, the context of it is the, the uh, Feast of the Tabernacles. It was one of the many feasts that the Jewish people would celebrate. And, and so for a period of a week, they would gather together in special ways and remember how God was their light and darkness and guided them from Egypt into the promised land. And so every single night on the Feast of the Tabernacles, they would gather at the temple and in Jerusalem and celebrate. And they would emphasize light. And so the temple would be lit up. There were four different bowls, giant bowls that contained uh, approximately 120 different fire logs. And they would all be set ablaze. And so you can imagine that in your mind's eye right now. That, that the temple would be lit up with these four giant bowls. And, and most of Jerusalem would be lit up with different candles and different things that people would light. And they would dance and they would celebrate light in darkness. And it was at the Feast of the Tabernacles in this context in the Gospel of John that Jesus stood up in John chapter 8 verse 12 and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness. And I know that in this moment in time, in this period of history that we'll remember for the rest of our lives, there's so much darkness but the truth is this, friends, that in the darkness of this world, in the darkness of our own lives, the light of Jesus shines even more brightly. And so it's in the context of the darkness of night in Jerusalem, the Feast of the Tabernacles, that, that these giant bowls are lit up and Jesus says, I am the light of the world, the true light. And those who believe in me will never, ever walk in darkness. Imagine that. The world is dark the world is dark. We're reminded of that in this moment. But Jesus has come to bring life and light. And so this sign points just beyond a physical healing. There, there was certainly a physical healing that took place for this man. But the sign is so much bigger than that. And it's recorded in this gospel so that we can see the spiritual healing that God offers to us by believing in Jesus. The blindness that we all walk in spiritually and God's ability to heal us from our spiritual blindness and see Jesus for who he really is, the light of the world. Jesus says in verse 39, if you're following along with me in John chapter 9, he says, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see become blind. What is Jesus saying here? Again, in the context of this fifth sign. He says, those who don't see, those who are spiritually blind, their eyes are going to be open. They know their need. They know their blindness. And I've come to give them sight and light. And those who do see in this world that's passing away, this dark world, and think they have all the answers, they're actually going to be blinded to the truth. One of the interesting things in the context of this passage, John chapter 9, and this fifth sign, is that John uh, records the responses of the people who witnessed the miracle. And, and in some of the other seven signs, we see responses of people, and sometimes we don't. But in this fifth sign, there are four different responses that John writes out for us to understand all the unique responses of the different groups of people involved in this miracle. And maybe, just maybe, as we walk through these four responses of this fifth sign in the Gospel of John, you'll find your own response right now. 
wherever you might be on the journey of your faith and your belief in Jesus, your sight and seeing him for who he really is. Maybe you'll find yourself in one of these recorded responses in the Gospel of John. So let's, let's walk through the miracle together for the remainder of the time that we have together this morning. John chapter 9, let's look at the four responses to this miracle. The first is the neighbors. Look at verses 8 through 13. When the man is, is healed by Jesus, there's an interaction with Jesus and his disciples. He says, stop looking for a cause and effect and instead uh, look for the work of God among you. Which, by the way, stop looking for someone to blame for the darkness around you and start looking for the light of Jesus around you. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Stop looking for a cause and effect. Stop looking for someone else to blame for all the struggles and problems in your world and start looking for how God can work. What a great word for us in this time and moment of our lives. This first response is of the neighbors, the people that had grown up with this blind man. And now they see him walking around with sight and they have all kinds of questions. And their response really is to be inquisitive. They ask, is, are, are you the same man that we grew up with? How did this happen to you? Look at the passage, verses 8 through 13. Where is this man that healed you? Where is Jesus? They're full of questions. But you want to know one of the responses that's missing from the neighbors, this first group? Their concern for the man. Their joy for his healing. That you've received sight. That something has changed in your life true joy and concern for him. That's missing from their response. They're so concerned with the how of the miracle that they miss the wow of the miracle. They're so concerned with answering all of their questions about how this happened and where is Jesus and are you really this person that they miss the healing that's right in front of them, the miracle that God has done right at their feet with this person that they've grown up with and they've seen begging for years and years. The first response, the first group of people are the neighbors who miss the miracle because of all their questions. The, the second group, look at the packet passage with me. John chapter 9, verses 14 through 17, are the Pharisees. The, the religious people of that day, the, the experts in the law. They, 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 they miss this because specifically the timing, the, their religiosity, their accusations, if you will, cause them to miss the miracle of the healing of the blind man. They, they come to the blind man and they ask him, you know, when did you receive your, your sight? When did this healing, this miracle take place? And of course, it took place on the Sabbath, the day of, of rest. And so immediately they jump in with accusations at the man who was healed, but also at Jesus. And they miss the miracle. They, they, they miss the thing that is in plain sight for them to see. And ironically, right, the people who can physically see miss the healing. Religion can blind us, friends. Religion can blind us to our real need for Christ. Our real need for hope and for comfort in a world that's changing. To put it plainly, our own moral superiority over other people can cause us to look down on them, to accuse them, and to miss the work that God is actually doing right in front of our eyes. The Pharisees in this story cling to their pedigree. Later on in verse uh, 28, they say, we're disciples of Moses. They trace their, their lineage all the way back to the giving of the law and Moses. And they say, we follow Moses. We know that God spoke through Moses. We don't know about you. We don't know about Jesus. They cling to their religiosity and they miss the very son of God, the light who has come into the world. C.S. Lewis said, there are two ways. Everybody listen to this. 
there are two ways largely that we miss God, that we don't see him. The first is that we live our life however we want to, and we might call this hedonism, living only for pleasure and for comfort and our own satisfaction. And it's very clear for everyone to see that we're living for ourselves and that we're missing God. But Lewis said there's a second, a more sneaky way that all of us miss God. And that is our moral superiority. That's our, our pride, our legalism. We feel really good that we don't live like the, the people that live the first way. And we miss God completely. And both ways, hedonism and legalism, blind us to the truth of who Jesus is and what he longs to do in each of our lives. The Jews, uh, the neighbors, the Pharisees here, this group of Jews, they miss their, Jesus and they m- miss the gift of being able to believe in him and have life in his name as John writes in John 20, 31, because they don't see Jesus for who he really is. And instead they cling to their history, their pedigree, their religiosity, their morality. And the same is true for us. Jesus says at the end of this passage, the people who can see or think they can see in this world of darkness are going to be blinded to the light. And the people who are in darkness, on them a great light has dawned. They'll be able to see the true light of the world. The third group of people, the third response, the first was the neighbors, then the Pharisees. The third group of people, look at the passage with me, John 9, verses 18 through 23. Follow along your scriptures with me. It's the parents, their response. It's very interesting. After the neighbors respond with their questions, after the Pharisees respond with their accusations and their, uh, their judgments, they go to the parents, to the, to the source, right? And they ask, was your son really blind? Is, is this really who he was? Is there really a miracle that's taken place here? And the Pharisees put the parents on the spot because they've already determined, according to the scriptures, that anybody who says that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the very Christ, the anointed one, is going to be excommunicated from the the faith community. They'd be ostracized and, and kicked out of the sacred assembly and all the community that comes along with that. The honor culture that existed in the first century They would have to dishonor themselves and their family and step away from everything they knew. That's the position that the Pharisees are putting these poor parents in. And they're basically putting their their son in between them and the whole spiritual community. Now, John doesn't indicate here in the passage whether the parents actually believe Jesus and place their faith and trust in Jesus as a result of this sign or not. But they do affirm a couple things, don't they? Look at the passage, verses 18 through 23. They affirm that, yes, this is our son. And they affirm that, yes, he was born blind. So they take those questions off the table. He is our son, and yes, this man was once blind. But how he came to receive sight, what happened, we don't know. And the parents say what? Go and ask him for yourself. He's a grown man. Go ask him the question that you're longing to ask and answer for yourself. Go to the source, the man himself. The, the parents in some ways allow their, their fears to overtake them in some ways understandably, but they, they push everything back to this final response. And that's the response of the blind man himself. John records four different groups, four different responses. The, the neighbors, the Pharisees, the parents, and then finally here in the passage, verses 35 through 38, the blind man himself. The Pharisees, the neighbors, the parents, all of them come back to the source. 
to the man who was once blind and now sees. And they begin to interrogate him here in verses 35 through 38. Follow along with me. This is the, the second discourse that the Pharisees have had with this man. They're coming back again, and you can just feel the temperature rising, right? They're getting more and more worked up, more and more angry. They begin to question him more intensely, demanding that he renounce Jesus and that if he was healed, now they're willing to say maybe a healing did take place, but it wasn't Jesus. So give glory to God, our God. This is the height of religiosity, that they actually miss Jesus in the miracle and they're asking the man to give glory to God. And it was their religion that caused them to miss it all. And, and I love the man's response. Again, four responses recorded. Listen to how the blind man who's now been given sight by Jesus, listen to how he simply responds in John chapter 9, verse 25. Follow along with me. This is the key verse of the entire sign. The man answers the questions from the Pharisees, the, the neighbors, even his parents. Whether he is a sinner, speaking about Jesus, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. In other words, I, I don't know who this man is. At this point in the story, the, the blind man that's been healed doesn't know who Jesus is. But he says, here's one thing I do know. I have a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainties, a lot of confusion. But here's one thing I am certain about. I used to be blind and now I can see. So many of us have questions. We have confusion. We have uncertainties. Now more than ever we have uncertainties. But there's one thing that we can know. There's one thing that we can be certain in. We were once blind, but now we see. And it's the one who came into this world to bring light and life that restored our sight. New City, the, the greatest apologetic, the word apologetic means defense. The greatest defense that we have in this world to our faith in Jesus is our changed lives. Knowledge is important. Experience is important. Even background, education, all of those things are important. But the most important defense that you can give to other people, a lost and dying world that needs the light of Jesus and desperately needs to look to him and not to themselves and to their circumstances, the best defense and apologetic that we have to offer is our changed lives. Our simple testimony and story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now because of Jesus, I see. And this man's response, this fourth response that John records in his gospel is the contrasting element to all the other responses. The first group of people, the neighbors, they're, they're asking questions. They're inquisitive. The second group of people, the Pharisees, right, they're, they're judgmental. They're making accusations. The, the, the third group, the parents, they're passive, if anything else, and fearful. But this fourth response, the blind man himself, is a response of belief. And because of his story, his belief, his testimony, the Pharisees make good on their word. They kick him out of the community. They say to him, go back and look at the passage. You're nothing. How dare you speak to us that way? How dare you lift up Jesus and share your story? And they kick him out. 
And the story gets even more beautiful because Jesus finds him right there. He finds him in his loneliness. I'm sure his hurt, his confusion. Jesus goes to him and Jesus comes to each and every one of us. God stepped towards you before you stepped towards him. God called you before you called out to him. Let me read Jesus finding this man, the the actual story itself. And we'll finish here. John chapter 9, verses 35 through 41. Jesus' interaction with the healed man. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Verse 36, he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you now. And verse 38, this is beautiful. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we blind too? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you'd have no guilt, but you say that we see and so your guilt remains. Jesus said, I came into this world again to to make spiritually blind people see, to have light in their darkness. And Jesus meets this man right where he is and reveals himself not only as a miracle worker, but as the very son of God, the Christ, the one who all the Jews have been waiting for, the Messiah, the one who is worthy for them to place their trust and their hope in. When the true light of Jesus comes into the world, when we see the true light of Jesus, Jesus for who he really is, high and lifted up, Those who are blind can see, and those who think they can see are actually blinded. This is the irony of this fifth sign, that that those who who see Jesus uh, can, can see his light for who he really is. And then some people are actually blinded by the light of Jesus because they've believed in themselves and their circumstances and their religiosity. But the bottom line today really comes right straight from the passage. These amazing words that the blind man who now has sight records in John chapter 9, verse 25. He says, one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Here's here's the one thing I know. All the questions, how it happened, when it happened, where it happened. Here's here's the one thing that I know in this world that is so difficult to know and have certainty. The one thing I have certainty about is I was blind and now I see. And it's Jesus that did it. These things, these signs are written so that you, so that all of us, might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we might have life in his name. To him alone be the glory and the honor today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are the light, the true light that shines in our world and our individual worlds of darkness. Help us to see you today, even in this moment, right now, right where we are. Help us to see you, Jesus, for who you really are, the life and the light of all the world. Help us to believe you 
and trust you now more than ever. Give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to each of us today from your word. And would you now give us the faith to go out, to step out, to live our lives by faith and not by sight. We pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for worship today, New City family. I want to encourage you to just hang on for an extra minute at the end of the broadcast for some announcements that will scroll on your screen. And if there's something that we can pray for you about in response to today's message, if you'd like to talk about how to start a relationship with Jesus, if you'd like to talk about your own spiritual journey and how we can help you in that, if you'd like to talk about how to get further connected or if there's something we can pray for you about, we would love to do so. Would you simply email me and our team, pastor at newcity.us, pastor at newcity.us. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to follow up with you on anything from today's message or something that's going on that we can pray for. Would you extend your hands as we close our worship service today? And thank you so much for joining us. Receive this blessing today, New City family. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and turn his face towards you. And may the Lord today and always fill you with his peace and his hope and his light. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We love you, New City.